Well, hello and uh, welcome to another episode of Pep Talk, the Persuasive Evangelism Podcast. I'm Andy Bannister from the uh, Solas Centre for Public Christianity up in Scotland in Dundee, coming to you today from there. And I'm joined as uh, as ever by my co-host, Christy Mayer, who's coming to us. Where are you today, Christy? I'm in London. Yeah, in London in my study. So it's great to be with you, Andy. Uh, it's always uh, always good to have both ends of the country represented. But we also have, well, that's actually not quite the middle of the country, but we have a little bit still close to the middle. Uh, our guest today coming to us from Oxford, and I'm joined, we're joined today by Rahil Patel. Rahil, welcome to Pep Talk. Thank you so much, guys, for having me. It's great to be here. Now, your day job, Rahil, let me get this right. If I get this wrong, feel free to correct me, because uh, <laughs> yours is a slightly unusual job. You are a consultant to, to both the UK and the, the European uh, parliaments on sort of issues to do with uh, engaging with India. Is, would that be a good description? That's a good description. Yeah, that's good enough. Go. For a small fee, I can write your business card. <laughs> um, and you and I actually met at the Oxford Centre for Christian Apologetics uh, kind of a year or so ago, didn't you? I actually remember sort of, so you and I have met in person, I recall. Yeah, we met in 2019. You came to teach towards the end of the year in December. So that's great. We met in person and Christy, see this? He's still willing to be on the podcast, even after having <laughs> jokes in person. You were far between these people, Andy. <laughs> now, I don't want to take up time on the intro because we've got so much to pack into today's show because Raheel, you have this really interesting story I mean, everyone's story of their journey to christ is interesting but let's put it this way yours is unusual um in that you are a christian now follower of jesus sharing your faith with others and helping others do that but your background uh you weren't just a you were a hindu but not just any old hindu you were very very deeply into hinduism do you want to tell us a bit about where you came from and then or, or more excitingly of course how you came from there to where you are now sure sure um I was a Hindu monk for 20 years. Um, easier word is a Hindu priest. So I was wearing orange robes and a shaven head. And I trained uh, to be a priest in India in a monastery for six years from 1991 to 96, seven. And then I was based in London because I was born in the UK. And uh, my role as a monk was to spread Hinduism across Europe and Russia. So I used to travel across Europe, Russia, around sixty to 90,000 miles a year. And I built temples in France, Belgium, Portugal, developed centers across Scandinavia, Italy. Um, long story short, I was, I, I, I loved the idea of God as a child, and that's why I joined. You know, I was really drawn to the guru. We believed him to be God. But as I ventured deep into the meditations, uh, the, the rules and the rituals were really strict. Um, we had we had a vow of celibacy. Um, detachment was very extreme. You weren't allowed to even meet your parents ever again. Um, so very extreme vows. You're not paid. You can't even touch money. If you touch money accidentally, you have to wash your hands 25 times. So very monastic in lifestyle but the operation behind you from the devotees the followers was huge financially so they would do all of the operations for you to go and preach and speak everywhere so you know with all the worship chanting meditations reading scriptures i just didn't find what i thought i would find that sense of you know just deep satisfaction inner peace um, that sense that I've I've reached. 
So I kept just trying different things in and amidst all my work, you know, different techniques of meditation. So that just didn't work. <laughs> and so in 2011, after 20 years, I, I left and I gave up my search for God. I was very disappointed because, goodness, I had even done a 2,000-mile pilgrimage across India. I climbed sacred mountains, you know, some of them three times, um, you know, swam in the River Ganges, the Yamuna River, fasted five times a month, 36 hours without food and water. So I thought they'd just give up. And I was in civilian clothes and, you know, walking on my own in central London. And I saw this church and I thought, okay, let's have a look at it. Because I'd seen the churches in Rome with all these beautiful paintings and beautiful, you know, pieces of art. It was a Sunday morning and um, around 11.15 and I, and I went down this road where this church was and weirdly there were people at the entrance, you know. I never saw that in Rome, welcoming people in. So I just walked past them. They were really, they had these really big smiles which were quite creepy, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, well, I wasn't used to that kind of love so I just ignored them. And as soon as I put my foot in the church the the presence of god just fell on me so powerfully i just felt this incredible peace and this sense it wasn't audible but this sense that someone had said to me you are now home mm. and i went upstairs and sat in the pew and i listened to the sermon i had never heard worship on guitars and drums you know it was really new to me um and that was it I went back to my hotel where I was staying and um, sat on the bed and I gave my life to Christ in an instant, which for me was fascinating because as a priest, it was very difficult to debate <laughs> with, with me. They would hold certain board meetings when I would be in Europe uh, in case uh, <laughs> I disagreed because I could turn the course of uh, uh, discussion quite easily. And here nobody preached to me, nobody challenge me but this was a powerful encounter yeah praise the lord That's incredible. <laughs> for 20 years being a um a, a hindu monk a hindu priest and then suddenly just like that giving your life to jesus that's huge how did how did your fellow monks and priests how did they receive the news well obviously when i left because it rocked the boat big time i had a very senior role you know, in, in the organization, I had, there were thousands who would listen to me preach. Um, I was reporting to the guru and the head in London, but I had about 1600 followers under me. So when I left, the condition was that I'm not allowed to speak to anyone ever again in the organization. And none of them are allowed to be in contact with me. But years later, when I, when I, I wrote a book and I then heard from via, 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 that people had read my book, priests had read my book, and they found it quite fascinating. Uh, these are the words I heard. They, they found it very interesting. Um, but obviously, they were, they were hurt. They felt rejected, um, disappointed, I'm guessing. But I have not had a chance to talk to any of them. The, um, 
By the way, for folks who want to get more of a Hill's story, your book is uh, Found by Love, right, is the is the book. We'll put links to that in the show notes. So people who've been struck even by that very short uh, summary of Hill's testament, <laughs> you, can, you can go and read the lengthier version. So now one of the things that you do is you, I know that you, as well as, you know, obviously sharing your faith with with Hindus and uh, with all the way that God's equipped you there, you teach and train churches how to do uh, that as as well. And there's me- lots of things I'd love to ask you about that in the short time we have. But perhaps a question to get us into that, Rahil, would be, am I right in thinking that there does seem to be a, a growth and an interest in kind of Eastern spirituality here in the West? I mean, not just Hinduism. There are other uh, other religions as, as as well. But Hinduism, I, see, I seem to meet more people uh, who are into sort of Hinduism in various forms. So is there, am I right in seeing that sort of sense in that growth yeah. in that and what's the what's the interest what's the draw for westerners to to forms of eastern spirituality perhaps before we think about then how we share christ with, with i think that's a great question i think the draw the one of the entry points is yoga right, right. that's an entry point um because of the breathing because of the meditation because of the exercise itself which has physical benefits it, it's a draw right the other aspect is that I feel that if Christianity is very linear, (laughs) if we offer a very linear, bland, boring Christian faith, um, people get drawn to the East. My experience is that spending time in the presence of God or, you know, enjoying his communion, his joy, his peace. I mean, gosh, you, you don't need to look East. It's all here. It's all here. It's just that we sometimes just offer an academic um, angle of Christianity, which is not wrong. It's important. Um, or we offer an intellectual case of Christianity, which is not wrong. It's important. But we forgot, we, we forget to, when I first came to the Lord, you know, he said to me, the sole purpose of your life now is to be loved by me. Mm-hmm. Sit with me, be with me rest in my presence because i came from a works-based religion so i thought okay what do i do now for christ (laughs) you know and he said no no no, do this and and that's you know the tangible presence of jesus christ is available to everyone and he doesn't just give you one encounter and say okay that's it i'm closing the door we have that to offer you know we have that to offer and when you read stories like Peter going to the to the to the temple and, and and the guy says, "Can you just give me some money?" and he goes, "Money, I don't have, but what I have, I have, I give to you." Mm. Yeah. So shadows don't heal. Come on, we know that. But whatever was overshadowing Peter, he was able to release. Mm. This is a reality that we we carry the presence of God wherever we go, and people are designed to be attracted to that. Mm. So that those are my those are my thought, and then third point is celebrity. They get drawn to the east, um, so that pulls crowds as well. But I think to sum it up, if we offered more of the, I, I, you know, Christian mysticism, it's it's given this name. I don't know why it's given a sort of side name. It's very central to our walk. Yeah, and and what the Desert Fathers, you know, 
experienced in Christ, what they had that. And I'm not saying it's all about feelings either. It's about communion. Mm. You know, we, we, we brush this aside by saying, hey, look, our faith yeah. isn't about feelings. It's not just about feelings. No, this is not about feeling. It's about his tangible love, his tangible presence. Mm. So I think that's where I feel people go to the East. Um, they are also drawn to this idea where there's no accountability, you know, in, 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 in many of the Eastern um, sort of concepts, there's no such, there's not much of a structure um, that you have to then be accountable to, you know, there might be one guru that you, you're, that who's your mentor, but um, these are, these are the things I think, <laughs> yeah. I was really struck by uh, what you said that um, that people are designed to be attracted to this, that they're designed to be attracted to the peace and the presence of, of God himself. How do you let's hear more about that, Rahil? How do you go about living and, and sharing Jesus with with the Hindu community? What does that look like? I always, you know, as we all do, just first of all, pray, spend time with God first, you know, and not, not like that routine thing, but just get into that place with him first. So that when you are there with them, you're out of the way and they get to meet Jesus. Does that kind of make sense, you know? So you're not just bringing your own stuff in. And then, you know, when you're engaging with Hindus, it's important not to ask Christian questions. <laughs> this is what I often see Christians do, and they sort of ask Christian questions like, are you forgive, forgiven of your sins? Like, salvation and moksha are two very different things. For a Hindu, moksha, the liberation of their soul from birth and rebirth is the important thing, and they are on a quest they, they apply different methods to ensure that their soul doesn't get reborn into another body. So forgiveness is a concept in that worldview, but it's quite peripheral. You know, and there is no translation for sin as such. There's no word for that, really. The closest word would be pap. So this is just one example. Uh, you know, I was on a, on, on a mission trip and uh, I was introduced to a Hindu. So... I thought, let me give him one of the books. This was through Oka that we were giving free. And I just quickly looked at the title. It was, it was a very good writer. And I looked at the table of contents. And there was one chapter that said, Jesus is the greatest uh, teacher of all who defeated the greatest barrier of all, which is death. Right? Now, this book was designed for to engage with other worldviews. Now, that chapter, that title, is irrelevant to a Hindu, to a Sikh, to a Jain, to a Buddhist, because death isn't a big deal, right? You're preaching to a Christian audience again. Of course it's true. The Jesus has defeated the greatest barrier, which is death. You and I know that, but that doesn't matter. When I became a believer, I was quite, you know, I found it strange when Christians jumped up and down singing, death is defeated, death is defeated, because... We never had a concept, there's no concept of an ending, you know. Uh, 
So I ensure that, you know, I, I look at areas of um, karma and grace. Mm. This is where I try and navigate the conversation, you know, because that's always a burden on every Hindu across every denomination and doctrine. Karma is central to all of them, right? So I try to take the conversation, okay, what if someone paid for all your karma? You know, that's that's what you, and that's the striking thing. Karma and grace are at complete opposites. What if someone paid for it? Um, what if someone came in that place? You see, so that's a very different concept to sins. Yeah. So I, I look at threads instead of contrast. Hmm. Um, sorry, go for it. And no, it's gonna, I was going to say, I'll just tease this out further. This is very, very helpful. You know, as you were speaking there, I mean, it's, that's so much in a sense reminds me of, you know, you look into like Acts 17, which is, a, you know, such a, a passage that's meant a lot to me over the years where, you know, Paul is there in Athens, altar of the unknown God. He doesn't come in and throw the whole thing out and go, it's a load of rubbish, you know, idols and so forth. He, he does this beautiful finding the contact points and the culture and then bridging across. And there's something to be said for it. And it sounds like you're doing this. One of our, Christy and I have a, have a friend in common, Dan, Dan Strange. And I love Dan's approach because one of the things that Dan has written a lot on is this idea of you know, how do you find what the other religion or the other worldview is yearning for and seeking mm-hmm. and, and show that actually, the, in a sense, the quest is a good one. But the, the the worldview can't answer the quest, and that the thing that you're searching for yeah. is actually fulfilled there in the gospel, the subversive fulfillment idea. And as you were describing it, I think that's 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 brilliant because you're right. So often we ask Christian questions, it doesn't compute. Same is true in Islam, uh, where I do a lot of work, and so I think there's a lot of a lot of wisdom yeah. there. Yeah. Another one is like the fatherhood of God. You see, you help unpack why there's a yearning for a guru. Right in my case as well, I, I it took me a while to unpack this. But why was I drawn to this guru, who I believe to be God on earth? I mean, not just me, but another million people dedicated. You know, you're, you're yearning. It's your desire and designed to to have God the Father, and so you sort of unpack that as well for them. As what if God was your father? What if he was your dad? You know, and and that appeals. You know, that appeals and that goes deep because they have, Hindus have a very, very deep reverence for authority, you know. Now that can be misunderstood as the desire to be controlled, but it's not. It, culturally, they, they like authority, you know, they, they like having a a, um, a figure like that, a father kind of figure in their lives. I mean, we all yearn it, but, you know, it's quite um, evident in that worldview, they're talking about the fatherhood of God, you know, as God is your father, as your loving father who loves you as you are. And that's another concept, you know, you're loved as you are. As you are. And, and that's a beautiful thing for a Hindu because they are constantly having to prove. Mm. They have to constantly perform. They have to work their way to heaven through whether it's puja, rituals, through rules, uh, uh, you know, doing this or, or their tithing or whatever. It's constant works, right, uh, to, to please. Um, so underneath that, God is their taskmaster in a way. They don't say it like that. But So how about, but what if you are loved as you are right now? And there's nothing you can do that would make him love you more. And there's nothing you've done that would make him love you less. 
you know, start, you know, talking about, talk about that because you'll see this in Hindu culture, constant proving and performance, mm. you know. So helpful, Rahil. Thank you. I think as a final question, how do you think um, churches or individuals can just get started, really, in, in reaching Hindus? What, that, what might that look like? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> just to get started. I, I just haven't seen it started that much in the UK as much as I've seen it in the US. Um, there are a couple of churches I know in Harrow, um, who are engaging well, I think first and foremost is to to gain some knowledge about that worldview. Because even at Akka, I found that the knowledge was inaccurate. Whatever was being said was wrong. And Hindus are very good at switching off and not showing it. If you get something wrong in terms of the knowledge, they'll be super hospitable, but then they'll switch off to that whole idea that conversation very quickly. So knowledge is really important, you know. Um, uh, you know, what kind of Hindu are there, are, is in my community? What kind of denominations? There are so different. I mean, you don't have to go into a doctrinal study, but just understand the culture, how do they worship? And then sort of, you know, take it from there, I would say. So knowledge is the first thing. And second thing is then, you know, try and put aside your, Christian questions, and then just ask what they're searching for. Hmm. Rahul, there's huge amounts of um, wisdom uh, in there. Um, you obviously do teach and train for, for churches on how to do this. So I suppose last practical question, how can people get in contact with you if they wanted perhaps, you know, to see whether you might be able to come and help them? Is that kind of thing you can do? How can people? Yeah, I do. I do that over Zoom. Um, so I, it's called spiritual mapping. So yeah. I... Once it's like I do it with the church in the US, I help them understand what kind of temples are in their vicinity. So based on that, I help them understand the doctrine and the culture and thinking. So my email would be yeah. the best, which is very simple. It's rahil, R-A-H-I-L, 3272 at gmail.com. Brilliant. Well, what we'll do is we'll put a link to that in the show notes as well and strongly encourage uh, people. I love that you mentioned Harrow. I used to live in Harrow and uh, we had I kind of wish I'd had this conversation with you this is 20 years ago because we had we had Hindu neighbors on two sides and Muslim neighbors on another the Muslims I knew what I was doing with and the Indians like the Hindus I never fully I know I've never fully figured it out so I'm open yeah. mistakes but you know it's great to have a, have your wisdom well Rahil it's been absolutely fascinating talking to you it's always the case on pep talk we wish we'd had time for more but uh, but thank you so much for joining us and, uh, and sharing a bit of your life and story and what you're doing with us and for myself and from uh, Christy uh, we uh, have enjoyed having you with listening to us wherever you're listening to Pep Talk we'll be back in two weeks time with another guest so do join us on another episode of Pep Talk bye